Hi, this is episode six of Big Picture Relationships. People are more important than literal truth. A subtitle for this is Detaching from Literalism. It's an awesome subject, thinking about holding those things we're really passionate about loosely enough in our mind that we can still connect with people and connect with goodness even when we disagree with them. Hang on tight and enjoy the ride. This is Big Picture Relationships with Elena Joe, a therapist sharing insights, ideas, and real-life pep talks that encourage you to expand your perspective, maybe shift some behaviors, and make the most of real-life relationships so you can live a happy life right now. I am so glad you're here today for this awesome idea that helps us expand the sorts of things we can think about, helps us expand the people that we can connect with, And it's a way of thinking that increases goodness in our lives and dialogue and connection and finding something greater. And it minimizes arguing and anxiety and us versus them battles. It's something that's hard to put into words. And that's why I have the title of people are more important than literal truth. But another way to look at this is called detaching from literalism. And if that's not an abstract enough title, well, you can see why I couldn't write detaching from literalism as the name of this podcast in writing because nobody would click on it. But trust me, it's going to get good. Detaching from literalism. Let's talk about what literalism means here. Now, I'm going to use the word literalism to define literal truth in the way I mean in my title. We all have things that we adhere to the idea in the exact letter or literal sense of the word. Literalism means that we think something is an exact representation or portrayal of a subject, an idea, a history without any idealization. Literalism is a style appropriate in journalism, in historically accurate or scientifically accurate reporting, whereas you might use a different style in a novel. Now, A humanly true statement about the sky in the evening might say something like, it's a brilliant ombre of orange and yellow chasing the last hues of blue. And to one person, that is true and beautiful. And to another person, a very literal statement might be, well, actually, that's just particles and molecules in the atmosphere changing the direction of the light rays. And these two people could disagree about the truth of what that sky is at the moment. Sometimes we equate that term literal with truth. We think that literal, historically, scientifically accurate is the only version of truth out there. Now, whether that's in history with dates and figures and documents, or it might be literal data of who said what on the playground when your child is upset and you want to know who was bullying who, you might be looking for the literal truth of what tangibly happened. But here is the problem with getting too hung up on the literal definition of truth. Where human perception is concerned and where history is concerned, You can't often find one universally, literally true, factual version of the story. History, for example, depends upon who kept records, whose voice was more prized, who made it into the textbooks. For example, Thomas Jefferson. Was Thomas Jefferson a literal genius or was he a literal monster? He wrote beautiful things in our country's Declaration of Independence. He was very influential in getting our nation started. He also owned people and treated them not very well. And we won't go through his name, but there's an example of what was he literally. Uh, Jury's out on that. When we're talking about science and literalism, 
we are limited to what science has discovered so far. Science changes, it changes its mind all the time as new information is coming along. Any of you who had mothers like mine that were in the low-fat fad and we picked it up as teens if you're my age and now all of a sudden fat is good and necessary and science has completely reversed its position on that. So what was literally true to us 20 years ago is no longer literally true. And then in human perception, we all know that things are completely subjective. If your son and his friend have a disagreement or even some punches are thrown on the playground, there is no literal truth of being able to gather gather from them who said what and when and who started it. And unless you have video cameras and eyewitnesses, you just won't really ever know the actual literal truth. So basically, getting hung up on the literal definition of truth is often setting ourselves up for dissatisfaction. It sets us up for arguments for people who see things differently than us. And it really gets in the way of connecting with ideas that might be bigger than the literal truth that we think we're sure of, but might be a little bit less certain than you think. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? You could debate this endlessly. If you're saying no, literally, like which one is it? Well, if you spend all your time arguing about, well, it was the chicken for this reason, or well, no, you had to have an egg there first and then have chickens. If you're digging into or claiming your answer is right and the other person's answer is wrong or stupid, you're missing out on a greater chance to enjoy metaphorical scrambled eggs and fried chicken with those that you might be arguing with. If you could instead detach a little from this position that you feel passionately about, if you could detach from the literal truth that you feel so sure of, but so does your friend about their version of the literal truth, you can instead connect over things that you have in common, like how great chicken and eggs are. Okay, so that's a new word here, detaching. How do you do that? When I describe this, I know it's a very therapeutic term. We use it in all sorts of therapies, but in real life, detaching means to unfasten or to separate, to disengage or disunite. So imagine disengaging or unfastening your mind from a thought that you have. Now, this may be a newsflash to some of you, but your thoughts are not you and you are not your thoughts. They really are two separate things. Thoughts can come and go. Thoughts come into the mind and they're not always to be believed. So you can choose to take an emotional step away from your thoughts like a third party observer. When you're feeling really passionately or really upset about something, it is possible to take a step away and say, huh, look at that. I'm feeling that really strongly right now. And you can choose to unfasten your mind emotionally from that thought. This doesn't mean that you don't have thoughts and opinions. This is not at all what I'm advocating. I hope you have a backbone. I hope you have strong opinions and beliefs and values. I'm simply saying that it is possible to take one emotional step away from that thought, disengage a little, which lets in some room for you to connect with a person instead of this need to be fused with your thoughts and prove them right and only surround yourself with people that agree with you and agree that your thoughts are right. Now, here is the power in detaching from literalism, in detaching from that quest for literal truth. It opens up an entire world of people and ideas to connect with that you might miss out on otherwise if, if you're so intent on being correct or convincing others of how correct you are. 
Let's look at a religious example. My Christian friends believe that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are one and the same. It is one united being, and they find great meaning and value and uplift in their lives over that. My religion believes that they are three separate entities, but we also find grand meaning and uplift and inspiration in that. My spiritual or agnostic friends believe in something similar to the great divine or a higher power or the great connecting goodness of the universe. And also they find meaning and direction and value in that. If three people in conversation about the literal truths and factual underpinnings of what sort of spirit created or guides us, they miss out on something far greater and more beautiful the chance to connect about the amazing and uplifting experiences in their lives, they're so much more similar than they are different, actually. If you could detach a little bit from that literal, factual underpinning, they can focus instead on the power that shapes us for good, the ways we can be instruments in serving and fulfilling our purpose. Which conversation would you rather have? The literal argument and debate about who is right and why and how and bringing up all your information? Or would you rather connect over an amazing and inspiring conversation that raises you all to a higher plane? A fixation with literal, scientifically accurate, or historical truth can hurt us and hurt the relationships we have with other people. And it can even limit our mind and to ideas and experiences of other people that broaden our view and let more light and meaning into our lives. When we can't find or know the literal truth about something, similar to perhaps religious underpinnings or historical, we have two main choices in that situation. Number one, we can get hung up on the literal fact or fiction of it. We can become obsessive searching for literal truth, searching for data, facts, combing through things, and we can become obsessive arguers trying to convince people of what is literally true and arguing against anyone that challenges our literal view. Or we could see what happens when we detach from the fixation on a specific literal truth, and instead we can look at where we can find goodness, find a different kind of truth. We can see what happens when we look for what can benefit our lives out of that thing or that example instead of demanding a literal agreement. Now, for my literal science-minded friends who aren't really following me or maybe disagreeing even with me here, let me ask a different question. Have you ever had your life influenced by something or someone who wasn't literally true? Somebody who didn't actually physically or factually live on earth or who isn't literally a real scientific person? I have. I am a lover of fiction. I've grown up reading fiction books, and there are characters throughout my reading that have inspired me. Just right now, I'm reading a series that's somewhat uh, magical or fantastical, which is a new genre for me. It's called the Cradle Series. But there's this character named Lyndon, and he is an underdog. He has absolutely none of the skills or traits that all the people around him have to make him successful. And so much of this book is him working his guts out, waking up early, staying up late, practicing on days off, pushing himself, pushing his boundaries further, higher, faster. And it's so inspirational to me because I am someone for whom things have come very easy. And I can't think of anything in my life that I've worked that hard at. And it has really inspired me, honestly, in this whole starting a podcast endeavor, which I don't know why I thought it was going to be so easy, but here we are. 
So nobody can tell me that this character Lyndon isn't real in a way that's not a literal truth, but he is truly real to me because the feelings that he stirs in me are real. The way he inspires me is real. And the effects of this influence in my life when I feel like giving up is very real. So does it matter right here that he is not quote unquote, literally truth. He is not a literal truth. If the after effects of him are how many of you had Harry Potter as your figurative friend growing up? Can you tell me that Harry Potter isn't real in a way that he's not literal because he lives in the, in millions and maybe even billions of hearts and how is that not true or real in its own creative definition? And let's take this in perhaps a slightly more controversial topic for some of you. Let's talk about the endless debate over scripture. Is the Bible literally true or is it story and beautiful metaphor? Were Adam and Eve literal people who lived and populated the earth or are they a symbolic story for the beginning of the human race as we know it? And how much does that literal answer matter? Is the Book of Mormon, in my religion, a historically accurate account of a people that was then restored in precisely the way the church teaches? Well, guess what? I'm not going to answer those things or even give an opinion here because my topic is bigger than that. Why I bring this up is that it's a perfect example of how becoming attached to the literalism of truth can get in the way of greatness and connection and expansiveness. If we spend time arguing about whether a text is factually true or inspired, it's like we're diving into the science of particles in the atmosphere bending light waves and arguing that that is more true than the beautiful, colorful, spectacular sunset show before us. Now, debating scripture is a long-standing debate. It goes way back even to the times of Jesus and probably before. You remember in the Bible, it talks about Jesus sitting around arguing in the temple with the Pharisees over the meaning of scripture. And interestingly, the number one category of podcasts, as I've been researching and starting this up, the number one most saturated market in the podcast world is that of religion and spirituality. There are so many podcasts debating historical accuracy versus spiritual takeaways Uh, One that comes to mind is called The Bible for Normal People, and there are fascinating interviews that are so interesting and mind-expanding. They have no agenda. They're not trying to convince anybody of their little literal truth in either direction because I find that the most peaceful, happy, and spiritually content people are those who are not die-heartedly attached to a literal interpretation, or at least not attached to one that they're intently trying to convince other people of. For my friends who think that scripture is an exact representation of history, like a journalistically reported accounting of events and lessons, can you make room for the idea that there are some people who hold a much looser interpretation of literal accuracy, but they can still benefit from the spiritual uplift and lesson in those books the same way that a great fictional character might teach and inspire you. And on the other side, for my friends who think that there's no way scripture is historically accurate, and you maybe even think a little less of people who could naively believe such a thing, Can you make space for the idea that whether accurate or not, there are lessons to be learned and ideals to be taught that could come through such a book, even if you've decided that it's fiction? 
There is so much more room for us to be accepting of each other and focus instead on the uplifting and great and grand ways that we're all seeking inspiration. We're all seeking to live our best life. We're all seeking to serve other people. When we talk about goodness and we can learn from each other's greatness instead of arguing literal underpinnings or defending what we think is literal truth and our position on it, we are happier. We are more godlike, we're more connected, and we get more inspired by each other. I'll give you one last example that's not a religious one, because this isn't meant to be a religious topic here. That's just a good one. I grew up sleeping on my great-grandma Zella's wrought iron bed. It was a spring mattress, and she grew up sleeping with her three sisters on the farm in Wyoming on it. And I was this nerdy kid that just loved history. I would walk through antique stores and pick up things and try to imagine who had held it through the generations and who touched this. And really, those things just caused butterflies in my stomach. They still sort of do, but I loved it. So imagine my betrayal when I learned as a young adult that my mom actually bought that bed at a garage sale because it reminded her of Grandma Zella's bed. I felt so betrayed. I thought she was ridiculous, that she had lied to me. I had grown up sleeping in a bed that was a lie. Now, as I'm older, I see that while it's not literally true that I was not touching the same wrought iron posts of this bed that my Grandma Zella and her sisters would have touched, a piece of my grandma was still with us in our home, and I could either berate my mom for her lies or adore her sentimentalism and her creative definition of the fact that this was Grandma Zella's bed. Unfortunately, at that time at least, I got hung up on what was literally true, and I missed the chance to create an idealized portrayal of that piece of my great-grandma Zella with us. That would have been much happier and pretty harmless. Now let me say again that I am not saying that we shouldn't have truth or opinions or not hold on to our own view that things are literally true. There, there is literal truth in the world. I'm just saying that you have the power to say, eh, you think one thing and I think another. Let's just agree to disagree about the roots of it and move on to what's most important. I have a dear friend who is very politically different than I am. Her husband works for the Border Patrol, and so they have one view of immigration, and I have a different view. And I'll tell you that that's something we don't even talk about. I couldn't even tell you exactly what her view is, because we hold on to our separate literal truths, and we move on past that and connect about other subjects and talk about great and grand and beautiful things. And I know that she and they care about people and serving and being their best and we can detach enough from our strongly held beliefs about a topic, a heated topic like immigration, and move past that and connect instead over what is better. I have worked my whole career with teenagers who have very differing viewpoints of events that happened. I, had, I would have one girl come into my office and in our therapy session she'd be venting about her roommate and how she's bullied and how poorly she's treated and how triggering that is. And then the very next hour that roommate would come into my session and share her version of how bullied and triggered and low she feels because of what was going on. And I had to learn at a very young age as a therapist, I could not get hung up on what was literally factually true, we would lose. There's no such thing as one truth at a level like that. Instead, I moved right to the higher plane of, how are you feeling? How did that make you feel? What do we need to do? Where do we need to go from here? And we can let go of 
what exactly happened, and let's just move on from here. All of us will be happier when we can live our lives, look for connection, and even if we have literal truths and opinions that we have decided for ourselves in our faith, in our politics, or in our versions of the story where people or history are concerned, that's great. But I encourage you to hold those opinions and your literal truths loosely enough that you can detach from them where people are concerned, prizing relationships and connection and goodness as so much more important than proclaiming or defending your literal truth. Prize people, prize connection. Look for goodness and look for connection wherever you can find it. And I know you will find so much more happiness by prioritizing that over being right and holding to your literal truths. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while and enjoying it, I would really appreciate the time you could take to give it a rating in iTunes. As a new and growing movement, any stars, any comments help a lot with spreading this big picture message to people around us. Thanks for your time, and we'll talk to you next time. Happy hack for today is an organizational one. I abhor combing through drawers and picking things up off the floor or digging through piles to find what I need. So I use those over-the-door shoe-hanging pocket things for many different items. I will post in the show notes a few different pictures of where they are, but I have one hanging in my closet for socks and nylons and under things and extra plastic bags and my sweater comb and all sorts of little things in your closet. There's one hanging up for medicines, children's medicines and all those itty bitty pieces. Even down in my daughter's gross basement unfinished craft room, we have one hanging up that's ribbons and glue guns and glitter pieces and fabric scraps. And on that one in the basement, we write right on the outside of it with a Sharpie of what's in there. So find yourself some of those over-the-door shoe hangers. To me, they're too heavy for shoes over a door, but they work really well for toiletries and other little light things. Good luck in your organization and your mental peace from Lessened Clutter. Visit www.elenajo.co for show notes and random photos along with any handouts mentioned in this episode. Find elenajo.co on Instagram for daily big picture reminders and join the big picture email list for an occasional pick-me-up in your inbox from Elena Joe. Thanks for joining us.